Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And this, this is the one that you've probably maybe been waiting for. This is the Pac-12 preview where we actually go a little more in depth about the conference and talk about our thoughts on teams that aren't ASU. Uh, but before we get into right. that, a, a quick shout out to Greg Powell, who created a Google Doc to track our picks to see if we are correct or not as the year yeah. unfolds. So, Sounds good. Sounds good. I like that. So I, I, I don't know if that's good or bad long term for us, but in the short term, hey, I think it's good. Um, I like the accountability. I, I do. I, uh, you know, I, I say all these things um, not boastfully by any means because I know. I'm one of those people that realizes the more you know about sports, the less you know. Um, and it, it surprises you many times. That's why it's interesting. But I, I like it. You know, I, I'd like to – we should go back and I might do this, go back and listen to who we picked last year, how they shook out. I know my Heisman pick was right, but besides that, I can't really remember what I picked. I'm sure I was wrong. Um, let's do a quick recap of our conference champ picks from last week. We both had Ohio State over Wisconsin, the Big Ten. In the SEC, I had Auburn, or I'm sorry, Alabama over Georgia. You had Auburn over Georgia. In the ACC, Correct. I had Florida State over Miami. You had Florida State over Pitt. And in the Big 12, we both had Oklahoma State over Texas. Which brings yes. us now okay. to the Pac 12. All right. Matt, the Pac 12 is all about the quarterbacks. Last year's it quarterback was Josh Rosen at UCLA, and after an injury-plagued sophomore year, he's third, fourth, Sam Darnold at USC, Jake Browning at Washington, Luke Falk at Washington State, maybe yeah, even throw Justin yeah. Herbert at Oregon. What do you, where are you yeah, on the quarterbacks? I mean, uh, well, I think, it's a, yeah, I think you're right. It is a, it's a very good conference for quarterbacks, as it tends to be. I mean, the, the Pac-12, uh, Pac-10 prior to this, uh, you know, usually has some top-notch quarterbacks, um, and, and this year's no exception. Um, you know, I think Darnold is the best of the bunch uh, at this point, just based on what he's done. Do want to see him do it for a second year, though. I mean, you know, what was what was kind of funny to me, you know, as we got back to last year's draft or this this most recent draft was, you know, all the criticism about Mitch Trubisky, and and I wasn't real high on him, but the whole thing of you know, oh, he's only started 13 games. But, boy, if Sam Darnold was available, he'd go number one. Well, Sam Darnold's only started 10. So, you know, I want to see a little bit more sample size on him, and we'll get that opportunity this year. Yeah, I think that one of the great things about this year in the Pac-12 is going to be the quarterback play because at various times in the year, I think you will hear each of those four guys being named as a possible first-round quarterback. Yeah, um, definitely Darnold and Rosen, for sure. I mean, I— you know they're they're viewed as as kind of the lead dogs along with um, Josh Allen from Wyoming, who's kind of an off the radar guy, but a guy who a lot of people really like um, as as the guys. And you know Browning and Falk are a little bit further down, but but you know Browning's been to the college football playoff, and and Falk has had a very productive career and should have another great season because that's what that offense always has. They always have quarterbacks who put up big numbers. And, He's a good one. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll make them very competitive all year, I'm sure. I'll say this. Jake Browning, to me, is the guy who gets over-criticized because he's been around and successful for too long, and you're going to hear him get nitpicked as soon as this season ends about what he can't do and what he doesn't do. And Possibly, yeah. I think he's going to lead Washington to another very good season under Chris Peterson. We'll get into exactly how good. In a little sure. bit, but no, I I agree. I mean, I think they'll be good. I think uh, 
he's he uh, what hurts him is uh, you know what we learned later on is that he got hurt late in the season and he played through it and so then when they were really on the national radar you know in, in the playoff game against Alabama he didn't play very well and I and I think people kind of looked at him and Washington and thought eh you know they were kind of fraud well, I don't think they were I, I think they just uh, they peaked too early probably had they played Alabama at the end of October it might have been a much different game, but they just they weren't at their peak anymore by the time they got to play them in January. The other thing before we get into how we break down the various aspects of the conference standings is you've got two new coaches, Willie Taggart at Oregon and Justin Wilcox, who I want to get into. Um, mm-hmm. But let's start at Oregon. They're returning Justin Herbert at quarterback, but it's not going to be, I don't think, the Oregon system of old where it's running 90 plays a game. No, no. I mean, I don't think so either. It'll be interesting. You know, it's a departure from what they've been. Obviously, they've, you know, they've stayed in the family. Um, you know, Kelly was an assistant under Bellotti the last couple of years, you know, brought his system and took over for Bellotti. And then Helfrich obviously was an assistant for Kelly. And now they're kind of, they're going out and doing something different, um, which they needed to do. You know, they needed a fresh start. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a, a rebuild there you know they don't have the depth of talent that they've had um you know Royce Freeman is still there and he's a great running back but beyond that there's not a lot of players that jump off the page that you think boy that guy's special that guy you know boy you gotta you gotta see what that guy can do and that's unusual for Oregon we you know and I mean sporting news and I think the media poll is a little different but sporting news picked them fifth out of six in the in the north and that's it's weird to see that as you're you know flipping through the pages to see Oregon that far back uh you're not used to that but it seems about right I wonder what is going to happen defensively for the Ducks this year I I know attitude wise the team is going to be different because bringing in Taggart feels a lot like when ASU brought in Todd Graham and it's like okay we're right. we're flipping it around what we were doing is not working right. uh you know he immediately came out and said we're not going to have two dozen jersey combinations we're not going to do these things we're going to be we're going to be a football team not a fashion show and yeah i think that is the right attitude i think that's what they need to have i don't know how nike's going to feel about that but yeah 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 i mean it's going to be interesting because yeah you're right you know oregon has been uh kind of the standard bearer for a new trend in college athletics uh, and with the jerseys and the helmets and and now so many schools have joined what they do. Um, I'm not sure they're still going to do some of it, but maybe they'll they'll water that down some, I suppose. And uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does. I know he had some, you know, he had success at uh, USF, but certainly he hadn't coached a game yet. But he's already had to deal with some controversy. Um, you know, his strength and conditioning staff, and then having an assistant, I believe, got arrested. Uh, yeah. Darren Carrington got kicked off the team. I mean, they, they've had some problems before. You know, he even gets to coach his first game. Absolutely, and I think he's taking a hard-line approach dealing with those problems that he has to do because mm-hmm. it's a tone-setting thing, and he, he needs to be a strong leader. That's what the Ducks are Agreed. in desperate Agreed. need of well, right and, now. And they brought in Jim Levitt to be the defensive coordinator who uh, you know, worked wonders at Colorado. The big reason for why Colorado won the South last year was that defense. And, and you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. I don't, you know, you still got to get talent, but... Um, that that could be a, a big move for them and a loss for Colorado. When it, you know you might look at that in a couple of years and realize the the net effect on both programs. 
Yeah, absolutely. Colorado is one of the great success stories last year of the Pac-12. And I still think that their offense is going to be very good. Their top nine yeah. pass catchers are coming back. And yeah. Steven Montez can chuck the ball all over the yard. So, Yeah, I got a lot of experience last year. And, you know, Lou fast in and out of the lineup with injuries. And, uh, you know, he played well. And, and so he's another quarterback, I think, that you, you can keep your eye on. Obviously, the you know, the headline catchers are the two in L.A. And, and for good reason. Uh, you know, they've, they've uh, both shown they can do it. Rosen's interesting to me. We haven't talked much about UCLA yet, but. You know, last year was kind of a lost season for him. He struggled when he was playing, and then certainly after he got hurt, they really struggled. Um, so it'll be interesting. You know, can they take advantage in what is probably his last year there? You know, you want to do something with a quarterback of that caliber, and so far they haven't done much. Yeah, the other thing about UCLA is it it's probably too early to say they missed on Soso Jamabo, but he did not look like the all-world no. five-star running back that they thought they were getting last no, season. No, no. I mean, they, they, their running game was terrible last year. You know, Mora came out and said it over and over again. and uh, They made a change in offensive coordinator. I, th- I think brought in uh, Jed Fish from Michigan, who's been an offensive coach in the NFL before that. Uh, you know, they're, they're hoping to kind of remake this offense again. You know, they undertook a big change from Rosen's freshman year when they were running the spread under Noel Mazzoni last year, you know, fullback and all that, well, it didn't, it didn't work. Um, and I think now they're trying to, you know, incorporate some elements of pro style, but also mix it up and be able to, to run the ball better and help him out. Yeah. I, mean, I guess the problems begin with the offensive line for UCLA. And if they can't get yeah. that sorted out, then it's going to be tough to judge Rosen because no one can throw from yeah. on their back. And right, it's going to be right. tough to judge their yeah. running game if you don't have to respect the pass. Yeah, and that was the biggest problem for them last year. And I mean, we saw it. We saw it up close. He got hurt twice in that game, and the second injury was the one that you know cost him the last what, six games of the season. And they end up going four and eight in a year that that had a lot of expectations. And uh, you know they're kind of under the radar now, uh, but they still have a lot of talent according to recruiting rankings and things like that. So could be a team that surprises um, without you know facing the burden of season opening pressure like they had last year and it's also interesting that they're going to be able to come from sort of the quiet side of LA because the last few years it's been UCLA that you focused on and wondering when USC was going to return to form and now everybody seems to agree that USC is going to return to form yeah it's it's flipped on its head from a year ago at this time when you know Rosen was the darling and he was the Heisman candidate and UCLA was a dark horse, you know, playoff team, people thought. And USC was a big question mark. And now, you know, now USC is a team that's considered a playoff content. Darnold's the Heisman candidate. And we're not hearing a lot about Rosen, but maybe that's good. You know, I mean, some, some programs, ASU is one, are, are ones that seem to do better when the spotlight's not on them. And, you know, maybe UCLA will, will benefit from not having that like I said, that opening season pressure to, you know, well, you better be really good. They didn't really respond to that very well last year. I don't know if Jim Mora has the personality to not speak out and try to get attention, though, and let his team slide under the radar. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not a big Jim Mora fan. I don't think he's that good of a coach. I, I, uh, you know, again, like I said, I, you know, I think Rosen is a really good quarterback, and they should have done more with him so far, and they – they had a decent year his first year, a lost year last year, and 
And I, I look at him and I think, you know, he's he's one of those where we might look and think, man, you got this gem of a quarterback and you never did anything with him. And why not? And it wouldn't wouldn't shock me because I just think Jim Moore is that good of a coach. So let's go through. Oh, you know what? We never came back to Justin Wilcox when I said we were going to. You're right. Yes, let's <laughs> so, do that. Which so we should do because Cal doesn't figure to to figure much into our discussion. But let's talk Golden Bears football. I think that that was an inspired hire after Sonny Dykes' tenure at Cal because they yeah. needed to do something splashy and they really needed it to be from the defensive side of the ball. And what Justin Wilcox did. did at Wisconsin sort of erased any bad feelings that programs had towards him going into that. You know, he had been right. on the he had been on the rise and then sort of fell off before Wisconsin <laughs> put him in and he completely flipped the Wisconsin defense around. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're right. His his career has been kind of a roller coaster. Uh, you know, I remember a few years back, he was kind of a hotshot young candidate, and then his teams went through some tough times. And and you know, but yeah, obviously last year helped get him this job. And he's still a young coach. You know, in the grand scheme of things, um, I think it's going to take some time there, though. I mean, uh, you know, they they have a lot of work to do and I think they are you know if, if we're ranking the 12 schools I think you'd probably put them 12 going into this year because they they got a lot of rebuilding to do on defense and and on offense but you know I mean they band-aided it last year with Davis Webb but now they got to find a new quarterback and and figure out how this offense is going to run I'm sure it's going to be a different look from what they've done the last few years so it's it's going to be an undertaking for him to get them on the right track I think if you're in Berkeley, you have to be patient because I think that the immediate knee-jerk reaction is going to be, hey, this didn't fix it. The defense is still not that good, <laughs> and the <laughs> offense has right. taken a huge step back, and, right. and I yeah, don't know well, that either of those things are his fault. <laughs> I agree, but, uh, but you're 100% right because at a program like Cal, and I think ASU is kind of similar, you know, not high-level history of success. Um, you can always sell offense. You know, you can always say, man, come out, watch our offense. We score 50 points a game. We're entertaining. Uh, and, and, you know, Sonny Dykes ran an offense that was entertaining. They didn't win a lot, but it was entertaining, you know. And, and so if you take a step back from that and all of a sudden you go, you know, 3-9 and nine or 2-10, and 10, which I think is probably in play for them this year, um, and your offense isn't good. And, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, quickly people get restless and say, well, what, you know, what did we do? We had a great offense. We got rid of that guy, and now we got neither? Uh, you know, what, what mistake did we make here? Yeah, uh, but with that, let's talk about where we put the teams in the north. And I've got Cal at the bottom. I go – I do too. I, I think that you're going to see the continuation of Purple Rain at the top with the Huskies – and then mm-hmm. Stanford and Washington State to me was a bit of a coin flip. I'm taking I'm going to take Washington State to finish second because I just want the Apple okay. Cup to be an important game. Um, okay. And I think that Mike Leach, you know, doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in preseason hype because he's too much of a character. But yeah, I think that yeah. this Washington State team with Falk at quarterback is going to do something special. Maybe not Texas Tech with Crabtree at receiver special, but right. that that offense is going to be very tough to stop. Like I said, Stanford third. I, I, I'm going to give Willie Tiger the benefit of the doubt and say Oregon's going to finish ahead of Oregon State and Cal, but that's more of an okay. indictment of Oregon State and Cal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm mostly in agreement with you. I do have Washington. I, I think they're a, you know, a top 10, top 50 caliber team. I don't think they'll get back to the playoff. Uh, you know, they 
they lose a, a fair amount from the defense last year that was really, really good. Um, and, you know, I think they'll still win the division, be the best team. I'll go Stanford, too. Um, you know, I've, you know, been critical of David Shaw over the years. Don't think he's really that good of a coach. But he has proven me wrong in some ways that he's kept this thing going. And they haven't had much dip. And even last year, a year that, you know, felt like an off year for them, I think they went 9-3, and three, uh, you know, and won a bowl game. So, I mean, an off year being 9-3, and three, not bad. And I take that. And, and uh, you know, I'm curious who their quarterback's going to be. Keller Christ is, you know, had the bad knee injury in the Sun Bowl. And his availability for the start of the year is kind of in question. So, do they go with Ryan Burns, who was very uninspiring last year? Or do they go with one of the young guys? Um, you know, KJ Costello or Davis Mills, you know, redshirt freshman and a true freshman, both highly regarded coming out of high school. But again, David Shaw, not a not a risk taker. So does he go with that guy if Chris can't play? I don't know. I'm curious to see how they go about that. Still well, think they'll be number two. And I was going to say, just piggybacking on that point really quick, if he goes with the young guy, which I agree is outside of the yeah. normal bell curve of decision making yeah. for David Shaw. Yeah, But if he does that, would he go back to Christ if they are successful? And would he go back to Christ if they are winning but struggling right. at quarterback? And that's a great question, yeah. I mean, because Christ, you know, let's be honest, Christ didn't like the world on fire when he played. They played better with him, but it's not like Christ came in there and you thought, wow, this guy is tearing it up. I mean, he, you know, he had some ugly numbers a couple times in wins. Um, you know, McCaffrey had another great season, kind of unheralded some ways because the season before was so good we kind of lost track of how good he was last year um and so they got to replace him and and there'll be more onus on the quarterback so yeah it'll be interesting i mean they got these two guys who were really highly regarded now mills you know didn't enroll in the spring i don't believe stanford accepts early enrollees um so that puts him behind the curve from some of the other top true freshmen you'd think it's unlikely he gets it, but Costello was very highly regarded coming out of high school as well. So I, I, you know, personally, I'd rather see them get a chance than Burns because I think Burns showed you what he was and what he is. is just nothing special. Yeah. It's the, it's the known commodity yeah. versus the unknown with the high upside. Right. right. So it'll be interesting. And obviously all of this might be moved. If Chris is, is ready to buy week one, of course, for them, week one is a week earlier than most teams. They start, um, you know, in, in three weeks against Rice in, in Sydney, I believe. Um, you know, so they, they got to be ready to go a little earlier, and then they get a week off and they play USC in week two. So there's not much time to get the offense ready. you got a trip to the Coliseum in your second game there. You know, it'll be curious to see how they develop quickly into the year. All right, so you go Washington, Stanford. Do you I, go? I go Stanford. Where do you I go, go Washington that? State three. Um, I, you know, I, I agree with you about Falk. I, I just don't know if they're well-rounded enough um, to have a, a top-notch season overall. Um, but I think he's really good. I, I would say, you know, and I don't know if he's off the radar enough to fit that. But, you know, we've seen the last couple of years, we've seen a guy end up getting drafted that it's like at the start of the year, if you would have said, boy, this guy's going to go top five, laughed. Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz. Falk could be that kind of guy. I think he's a guy that, I, you know, he it's a spread offense, yeah, but everybody runs a spread offense now. So I don't think there's the stigma that there used to be when it comes to spread quarterbacks. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy I think could be an off-the-radar guy that by April of next year we're talking about as a first-round pick, potentially. Yeah, everybody runs the spread, including teams in the NFL. So 
Yeah, they do. You know, I mean, there's not many who who put the quarterback in the huddle and and you know line up under center. That just there isn't man. Even even USC with Darnold, even Alabama. You know, I mean, we, we're seeing some of the traditional powers. Uh, you know, c- coaches like Nick Saban, who you think, well, they're they're never going to go to an offense like that. Well, they have. Uh, you know, so it, everybody's doing some elements of that, and and getting a quarterback who's pro ready just exists much anymore. I mean, you're you know. Everybody comes out with the question mark of, you know, can they call a play in a huddle and, and run the offense from under center? Because very few do college anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'll still watch State. I'm going to go Oregon State four. I think uh, they won, I believe, three in a row to end last year. I think they'll, you know, I, I don't I don't know if they'll make a bowl. I think they'll, they'll improve. They might be a 6-6 six and six team that sneaks into a bowl. Um, and then I'm going to go Oregon and Cal 5-6. And then, all right, let's move to the South. I think that everyone, it's safe to say everyone, has USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the conference uh, preseason poll, the media well, poll. It's safe to say it for me. I certainly do, yeah. Yeah, the media poll, I think, had one one Utah vote, and the rest okay. were USC. For me, it's USC – then I think there's going to be a slip with Colorado, but not dramatically. I think Colorado's okay. going to finish second. Then Utah, UCLA, ASU, Arizona. And okay. when I say that I don't think Colorado's going to slip that much offensively, allow me to preview my dark horse Heisman pick of Steven Montez. Okay, okay. That. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a dark horse pick. No doubt about that, so... Um. I think he'll be good. Uh, I do have USC. I think USC is the best team in the conference by a pretty good margin. Uh, you know, I mean, I think they could lose a game in conference because I just think, I, I think I said this last week, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody goes through undefeated this year. It's hard. It's just, you know, it's hard to go 12-0 week in, week out. And for USC, it truly is week in, week out. They don't have a bye until the last week of the season. Uh, so that's an interesting schedule for them. They they have the last week of the season off. So if they do play the Pac-12 title game, they get a bye after you know before that, which will help them. But playing twelve weeks in a row is going to be a challenge for them. Yeah, absolutely. So I do have USC though. I'm a I'm a big Sam Darnold fan. Um, as I said, I do want to see him do it again. Uh, but I was tremendously impressed by what he did last year. Thought he was great. Um, I got UCLA too. I think, like, I, I guess I kind of gave that away a little. I think maybe being off the radar will help them, and, and they'll be better than people think. Um, I'll go Colorado three, uh, kind of on the same vein as you. A little slip, but not much. Um, Utah four. I think Utah will be Utah. Uh, you know, a good team that can't quite win the biggest games, which seems to be what they've done the last few years. And then I go ASU in Arizona from there, too. Same as you. I mean, it's as an ASU homer, it's nice that Arizona's in the South because it makes life a little better. <laughs> like, I know they beat us last year. I know they beat us last year. But they, they were very bad. We were very they bad were. that game and for the second half right. of the year. But they were very bad all year. And the fact that yeah, they, they are there, and is we, it's, it's the cushion. And it's also the fire coach in case of emergency button if we can't right. stay ahead of them right oh i agree and they're probably thinking the same thing down there um you know both coaches came in with a lot of fanfare five years ago and now they're both squarely on the hot seat now and 
deservedly, I think, you know, in both situations. Um, you know, I, I think uh, as much as I pick the order, and I, I would say the same in the North, I think you've got a clear best team in each division. And then from there, it's kind of a jumble. Like, it would it surprise me, and I'd obviously be happy if this is the case, would it surprise me if ASU finishes second or third? Not really. Um, you know, I, I'm not picking it, but I think it's possible. Would it surprise me if, uh, you know, Oregon ended up finishing second in the North? Not really. Uh, you know, I think they're kind of mixed together. I think you got those two teams at the top and a jumble of good to – average and probably Cal at the bottom and maybe Arizona there too. Well, I, that's what I was going to say is I think you've got a clear cut first and a clear cut last in each. Yeah. And then I think yeah. two through five could be a mix, but I would put the weighted uh, ping pong ball to keep them down on ASU. I don't think that they're going to rise Agreed. to the top on this. Little no, I mean, I, I, I'm hoping when we talk ASU and I, you know, We'll we'll do it in more depth, obviously, as the as the month rolls along. But I mean, I'm I'm hoping for seven or eight wins. Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, uh, you know, when we get into the schedule, those seven or eight wins are kind of hard to find. Um, but you know, an eight win season probably puts you at five and four in the conference because I think you're going to have to sweep non conference in order to win eight. Um, and and you know, five and four is probably going to better than fifth in the division, I would think. Well, before we go into our full Heisman picks, before we pick our conference champ in the Pac-12 and go through yeah. the playoffs, let's talk a little bit about ASU. They are wrapping up their Camp Tanazona trip that they take every year under Todd Graham, and <clears throat> the weather has been bad, which has led to my first concern, which is Brandon Ruiz looked human for the first time in camp. He was, having, yeah, he was yeah. having trouble on the sloppy field. Now, the nice thing about playing in a desert is that's not going to happen a lot. You don't get that much. No, it doesn't. And, and you know, when you, when you look at our schedule, we probably only have, you know, one game where you figure weather might be an issue, and that's Oregon State in November. Um, you know, you don't, you don't figure here. You don't figure going to Texas Tech, going to UCLA, uh, you know, maybe at Utah, but probably not. Uh, you know, it's early enough in the season, so – you know, it shouldn't be a huge issue for him, but, you know, something he's got to work on. Probably hasn't done it much. I mean, he's, he's from Arizona. He hasn't kicked in bad weather. But I will say the reports before he left were that he was just crushing the ball. And yes. Accurate. Yes. So. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, with kickers, you just got to see him in games. I mean, you know, you can say that about any position, but I really, kicking is so mental. And, and if he goes out and in the first game he misses two kicks, we got something to worry about because then it just becomes a mental thing. I mean, I saw this, uh, you know, with the Cardinals for the last few years, Chandler Cat Zero. You know, his first two years, he was incredible. You know, you think, man, this guy's going to kick in the league for 20 years. He's great. And last year it just became a mental thing, and he wasn't as good. Now he's battling for a job with the Jets, and, you know, you, you just don't know. I mean, kickers are weird. It's like it's like closers in baseball. You know, you the mental side can really affect things more than the physical side. Do you think if you could script it, we'd be better off with him kicking a field goal as his first official college kick or an extra point? Cause there's extra a point, there's especially a, in college, give it, give the extra point in college is still the simple 20 yard kick, you know, go out there. It's, it's kind of like making a layup to start a basketball game. Make it easy on yourself. I agree. You know, the one thing that I'm hearing is, questions about whether he will be able to do kickoffs 
Um, right. Uh, you know, remember Zane didn't do kickoffs early in his career. Yeah, and became great at it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's it's an art. Um, and he may have to work on that. And, and it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't. Who does? I, I would assume the punter. Yeah, uh, sleep but Dalton. I don't know if he's got much experience doing it either. So, you know, you got to find a guy who can do that. We, we uh, I don't want to say we took it for granted because we didn't. You and I didn't. But it's easy to take for granted. Oh, you just boot that ball through the end zone, touchback, no worries. We did that the last couple of years. So this, this year might not be so easy. Well, and think about how it would look when they would start a return. That was terrifying right. the last couple right, of years. Right, right. So, it was, yeah. And, 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 you know, prior to the last couple of years when Zane wasn't as effective at kickoffs, we had other guys, you know, we had some big specialty plays that turned games because of giving up big returns. Uh, you know, UCLA game here in 2014, I believe it was, uh, the Thursday night game, you know, turned on a kick return. We scored to get some momentum back. We gave up a kick return touchdown. Like the, the air went out of the stadium. So, yeah, we've we've seen the trouble that comes with having shaky coverage. The other thing I wanted to bring up about ASU before we go away from it is there was a report from camp that John Humphrey, one of the guys expected to yeah. start at receiver on the Triple H line with Nikhil Harry and Jalen Harvey, uh, <laughs> yeah, had had taken some reps at corner. And it's rare that I get such a frustrated tweet or text from you out of nowhere um, <laughs> where basically I, I'll leave out – I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was no. I don't understand how we can't recruit a corner and every year we have to move at least one receiver to corner to see if that's something. Which I stand by. I, I mean, I, you know, admittedly I – you know, I believe I sent you that text on a Tuesday morning. And, you know, the work week is starting. You might not be in as good a mood. You think, oh, God, you know. Um, so it's probably influenced a little bit by that. But but I do can't buy that. It, I mean, it's frustrating for me moving guys around. And, and this is another situation. Kalen Balaj was like this either last year or the year before. You got a guy who's got promise at a position. But we don't know much about him. Like, let's be honest. You know, we're excited for John Humphrey. We've never seen him play a game. And let's just have him be good at the position he's supposed to be good at. That's my feeling on it. Now, would I be very happy if he goes out and he plays the corner and he gets three picks this year and he helps us? Yeah, I'll be happy to be wrong. But I just feel like, you know, when when you're learning one spot, learn that spot. Learn your job and do it well. And, and I think if everybody does that, we'll be okay. Having people try to do two or three jobs, I don't, I don't like that much. Well, talk about what we did last year, which was Gump Hayes wasn't going to play running back, and he wasn't going to play receiver. Yeah. So then we moved him to corner, and he became our starting corner week one. Yeah, I, which it, you don't like. But, yeah. but, there, but that's – Well, no, I'm saying that's my, that's my fear, Matt, is yes. that if yeah. we're looking at John Humphrey and we're at Tanazona, games are starting this month. This month we are going to be agree. playing a game that I matters. Agree. And we're yeah. looking at a wide receiver – I mean, not to start screaming like Alex Jones here, but come on, is this a conspiracy theory? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't I don't love it. I really don't. Um, like I said, you know, will I be happy if I'm wrong? Yeah, but, you know, Doug Haller listed several examples, some that I've forgotten, honestly, of guys who they've tried at on defense when they were on offense or vice versa, but it seems like it tends to be more offensive guys who we move to defense, and most of them haven't worked. And I guess you kind of know that. I mean, you know, 
when you when you do something like that, you probably know it's about a five percent chance it works, and and you're just taking a shot. But it is frustrating that we can't recruit good defensive backs. Like, why do we have to continue to move other guys to band-aid that position? Let's just get good DBs. We wouldn't have to do this. Do you count Gump Hayes as working in the discussion of whether... I don't know. (laughs) I mean, like, Uh, he played defense. Working better than some. I mean, you know, like, because the list that Haller provided were more... Mostly guys who, like I said, you almost forget they ever did it. Because, like, you know... Oh, uh, yeah, they tried Kalen Balazs, pass rusher. Like, oh, yeah, they did. Forgot about that. Um, uh, you know, because it, the experiment gets abandoned within, you know, a week or two. Tim White last year, we heard this. Now, Tim White was kind of a situation where he'd shown what he could do at receiver. You knew what he could do. So you think, I guess from my mindset, it's a little bit more of like, all right, let's see what else he can do. We don't know about John Humphrey. He may have a lot to learn at wide receiver. So I just would like to see him learn that and get good at that and not mess around with him playing other positions. I think that's fair. You know, the one I guess that I would say worked, and I, I think it's more just a sad indictment of what happened last year on the D-line was them moving Christian Hill to, you know, goal line yeah. fullback. You yeah, know? true, true. But, but yeah, I was expecting him to contribute, have. you know? You, I was too, yeah, you know, I mean... Some have, and again, I realize when you do these experiments, it is kind of a situation where you know that the success rate's not going to be great. You're not going to hit all of them. You're not even going to hit most of them. Um, I just would like to see, you know, when you've got an office that, you know, you're, you got a quarterback battle, you've got an exciting group of wide receivers, but not a ton of experience. You know, it's yeah, it's exciting having, you know, Humphrey and Newsom and Frank Darby and Kyle Williams, but between them, Patrols four, we've got about two games of wide receiver, and that's Kyle Williams. You know, Harry played last year, Harvey's played some, but it's still a young group that needs to gel, and I just would like to see them gel on offense and not be messing around with moving guys to, to the other side of the ball. Do you think that any of this at all is just saying, okay, I don't think you all can cut it defensively, and I'm challenging you by saying I'm going to walk be. this guy to the other side of the huddle and he'll be as Could good as be. you. Yeah, it uh, might be, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, I guess it's, it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt since he's done it before uh, yes. and actually left yes. the guy there. So, Right, right. You know, so it, it's it's hard to know. It is. Um, I, I don't know. And, and, you know, again, I say all of this with the caveat that, you know, if, if John Humphrey ends up giving us something on defense, even in one game, where he makes a couple plays and helps us win a game, then it's worth it. Um, I just personally would like to see him get, you know, master the art of playing wide receiver in this offense because I think those reps you're missing out on could hurt you. Because as you said, we're playing games this month, less than four weeks. We play our first game. And in five weeks from today, we face a pretty darn good San Diego State team here, and it doesn't stop after that. Like week after week, there's good opponents. So let's just let's have the offense get together and work well now because this is the time to do that. It's hard to establish that rhythm once you get to September. Finally, before we go back and give our Pac-12 champ picks, our playoff picks and our Heisman pick, checking in on the quarterback battle that uh, now feels like Manny's leading more comfortably again. It sure does. <laughs> I mean, it sure does. Boy, after, after what we said last Saturday, uh, I think we already, you know, I, I already feel like I, you know, was stupid when I said that because yeah from everything I'm reading and hearing 
it, it really so far isn't a quarterback battle. Um, you know, I mean, Haller has kind of said this and I, you know, again, I'm basing on his word, but it seems like Manny is the starter and there's not really much competition going on. It's more Blake Barnett as the backup and that's how it is. Yeah. Doug Haller, who I implicitly trust because he followed us on Twitter. Um, yes. Along with, along with Brandon Ruiz's dad. So those are our two new Twitter followers this week. We're Doug we Haller go. and okay. Brandon Ruiz's dad. But uh, <laughs> I'm very much inclined to think that this is no longer an open competition, and we're just saying it, much like last year. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels that way. I'm, I'm, what I'm really curious about is, you know, and obviously we can't know this yet, but what's the future hold? You know, I've, I've listened to the two podcasts that, um, Doug Haller and Jeff Metcalf have done, and, and and on both of them, Jeff Metcalf said, "Hey, uh, I think Blake Barnett is going to going to be a starter here eventually," and that sounds good. But he's only a year behind Manny, so is he willing to wait theoretically two years for his turn and get one year as a starter like Burko did? I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, that's kind of where I'm curious how this goes. If Manny is the unquestioned starter and he goes through this year as the guy then what is the future for Blake Barnett here and I I'm not sure anybody knows the answer at this point I think and I mean and don't look now but when Brady White comes back I don't think he's giving up on this job now maybe he'll transfer I think think of the guys who are on campus he's the most likely one left to transfer he probably is yeah but you're right I mean that's and and you know as we'll talk about this I'm sure more over the next month but that's one of the interesting things about this and what I what I hope comes out of this competition, if it is one, is we get a quarterback for the next two years. We get a guy not only for this year but next so that we're not in this position again here battling for the job where you factor in probably more guys, Brady White potentially, Dylan Sterling Cole potentially because we're counting on him redshirting this year, but next year he'd be, you know, so then it just becomes – the same thing we had last year where you're trying to split reps, you're trying to figure out a bunch of different guys, and I don't usually think that works. It can, but most of the time it, it just doesn't go well. Well, and don't forget Ryan Kelly. I mean, that's right, one more right. guy who yeah, exactly. he's going to so, redshirt this year too, so there's no sense in right. him sticking around if he's not going to play. Right. So, I mean, I, I feel like what I hope we get out of this month is a quarterback for 2017 and 18. And then, theoretically, in 2019, you're handing off to the younger guys, either D, you know Sterling Cole or Kelly. I, I think that's that's kind of how I view it, the ideal scenario is either Manny's the guy for the next two years, and and you know plays well, does well. Barnett becomes just a footnote. Lee probably ends up not finishing his career here in that scenario, and then you hand it off to young guys. Or Barnett's the guy. And he's so good for two years that he goes to the NFL, which, I mean, based on his physical ability, you think is a possibility. Um, I don't know. You know, it'll, it, I, I just hope that's what we get. I said that last year. I was hoping that quarterback battle would be the answer not only for one year but three years. And here we are again doing it one more time. So I hope we can avoid that next August and we have our guy and you kind of go in knowing what to expect at that position. I will say one last thing on this point. I was listening to the Sun Devil Source Report podcast, um, and those guys do too. They do one that's free and then one yeah. that's premium, and I do not pay for the premium because yeah. that's just not my yeah. way. 
But on the free I one, they were they were telling us, look, we give ours away for free. I don't understand why they got to make me pay to hear like the true, true. content. But true. Um, true. that's not fair. They give great insight. And I don't I don't know them, but I'm sure they're nice guys. Uh, <laughs> um, but one thing they said is that the players, at least reading between the lines, it seems like the players are still looking at Manny as the leader. And yeah. Graham has tried to make Barnett that by bringing him into the meetings that Haller talked about and having him as right. that leadership committee with Manny. But when push comes to shove on the field, it seems like the team is still just responding to Manny as the leader. And I think that goes a long way because Manny's been through the battles with them and he's played and he's played yeah. hurt for them. Um, I, I do think, though, that you definitely have a possibility of Manny getting hurt again. And I like the you idea do. of having a younger guy, sort of Montez Lufawi, of you know being True. there and ready to go and step True. in and i'd well, rather it be barnett I, than dsc i would agree yeah i mean you what you want out of this either way is you want the guy who is a starter to remain invested to remain on board and to be ready because yeah we learned last year we learned in 2014 that the cliche is real you know you're one play away from that number two guy being the number one guy and and you know we we had success with it in 2014. Burko came in, did a nice job, kept the season afloat. And last year we really felt, you know, the sting of not only one quarterback getting hurt, but then another one. And, you know, at one point we were down to a wide receiver playing quarterback. So, um, you know, it's tough. And, yeah, you, you just want that second guy to remain invested and on board and engaged and all those other buzzwords so that he's ready. Because you're right, you know, Manny's style – if he's going to continue to play that style, is going to invite injury, and and you have to have somebody ready to go if that happens. So with that, let's turn back to the Pac-12 championship game. We both have USC and Washington as the top two teams, and I have USC over Washington. Matt, what do you think? Same, same. Yeah, um, uh, I do think USC is the best team in the conference. I not a huge margin, but uh, enough of a margin that to me it really wasn't that hard pick. Uh, you know, I, I just think they're the team to beat. So let's talk about the playoffs. For me, it is just a college football diehard's dream of storied programs. I've got USC, Bama, Florida State, Ohio State in that order. Not much, not much different from mine. Um, I'll, I'm going to go Florida State number one, uh, Ohio State two, Auburn three, USC four. Interesting. Okay, so who? No, wait. Reverse that. USC three, Auburn four. I'm sorry. Okay, so who do you have winning the Auburn Florida State game? Florida State. All right, and what about USC Ohio? Florida State State over Auburn in the Sugar Bowl, and USC over Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. That would be a fun Rose Bowl. It would. Yes, the Rose Bowl would not be upset if that was the ultimate outcome. You get your Big Ten, Pac-12, even though it is a playoff game. And then who do you have coming out of Florida? Well, let me do mine. I've got USC okay. over Ohio State. I've got Bama over Florida State. So I have okay. USC-Bama in the title game. And even though I have USC as my number one team going in, I believe in Nick Saban, and I'm taking Alabama to win the title. All right. Well, I believe I told you last December that I thought Florida State was going to win the national championship in 2017. You did? I haven't swayed from that feeling at all i thought they built something in the second half of last year and i am sticking with them i've got the Knowles 
winning to start the year in Atlanta and winning to finish the year in Atlanta. All right, Matt, let's go Heisman. Who is going to New York and who are the dark horses? I've already told you my dark horse okay. is Steven Montez from Colorado. I think yes. that yes. I think that offense is going to be good, and if he stays healthy, he's going to put up video game numbers. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if he can do enough because I don't have them winning the conference. I don't have them winning the division. Right. And Sam Darnold is the guy who's going to do both of those things to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very tough. Um, you know, although we've seen it, we've seen quarterbacks in the last few years. We saw it last year with Lamar Jackson. We saw it with with Manziel, with Robert Griffin to you know to win the Heisman on a two or three loss team. Um, quarterbacks who put up big numbers can do that. I'm not sure anybody else can. I think if a running back's going to win the Heisman, it's going to have to come from a national championship caliber team. Um, uh, you know, it's just it's hard to do because so many running backs put up big numbers that it's hard to separate yourself. Um, but yeah, quarterbacks can, and and you know he's one to to keep your eye on. I would agree. And then my, I have three guys who I have actually being invited to New York. Okay, I've got. The two quarterbacks who I have in the national title game, Darnold and Jalen Hurts, and then okay. I have I have Christian Kirk also getting the invite okay. because I think Christian Kirk might score running, receiving, returning, and throwing this year, and that's enough to get you invited with that kind of highlight film. Okay. Okay. Well, I have I have four finalists, um, one from each of my playoff schools. As it turned out, I have Darnold from USC. I join you in that. I have JD Barrett. Ohio State. I have Derwin James from Florida State as the defensive representative, and then I have Jarrett Stidham from Auburn going and winning the Heisman. Ooh, I like it. I have Darnold winning the Heisman, and then Hurts coming back and beating him for the national title. Okay, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Stidham. I I uh, kind of have been thinking about this for months. Uh, as far as uh, you know, I have a I have a track record to back up here. Jarrett Stidham, you got some pressure on you. My last four Heisman picks have been Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Derrick Henry, and Jameis. Uh, three of one. Another was a two-time finalist. So I've done pretty well with my Heisman picks lately. So not to put some pressure on you, Jared, but you got pressure on you. I, and for Sam Darnold, I'm sorry, but you are probably not even going to get invited because that's just how it works when I pick you. You just, <laughs> you're just you, you're, you might get hurt. You're almost certainly not getting invited. Um, hey, it's, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, I don't know if this one, I mean, that's the beauty of it. You know, I've, I've had some luck. Jameis was the lifetime. I'll, I'll never be able to, uh, you know, match that one to pick a guy who had never played a game before to win the Heisman and have him have the year he did and do that and win the national championship was incredible. Uh, you know, my Lamar Jackson pick, I felt pretty good about, uh, because he won in the year I picked him. I picked Derrick Henry a year before he won. Um, but he still won one. So I give myself half credit for that. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've done well lately this year. Uh, you know, hopefully will be another one, but it could be a huge embarrassing failure. Yeah. My apologies, by the way, to Jacob Eason, because I tend to just want to pick the Georgia quarterback. Uh, and I and I couldn't do it this year because I just don't believe that they will be well, I don't, successful. I don't think he'll put up the numbers. I, I mean, I, I think they're going to be good, but I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Again, it, it comes back to that, like, you know, to win the Heisman as a quarterback, I think you've either got to be a national championship caliber team or you got to put up huge numbers. And their offense isn't built for the quarterback to put up huge numbers. 
Yeah, and that, I mean, that was my rationale for Montez as my dark horse because I think that that offense will score a lot of points, but I just don't, I, I don't think they'll do enough where the team will succeed at the level it did last year. I don't think they'll win the South. Yeah. You know, and they and kind of, hard, they kind of played like garbage. West Coast. Hmm? They just, did. <laughs> they did at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, they, they ended the year on a sour note. And like you said, a Pac-12 school that's not in L.A. and not putting up Oregon-type scores on people. Yeah. It's going to be tough to get noticed. It's hard to get noticed unless you're a great team. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it just is, you know. And I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson got noticed because of you know, the early season game against Florida State and then the Clemson game, even though they lost, he was so good in that game that it kind of put him at the top of the list. You gotta you gotta have those marquee moments and old Colorado will have enough. But but I mean it's it's a good pick, if only because I you know, recent history tells you pick somebody who's a little off the radar. You know, I mean going back to about seven years now you know, the Hyman winner has not been one of the preseason favorites except for Marcus Mariota. He was one of the preseason, you know, darlings, and he won. But, yeah. you know, Cam Newton certainly was not. McCaffrey. Robert Griffin was not. I mean, McCaffrey, McCaffrey was on you know, the list. Uh, but, yeah, now, you know, I mean, um, it's, it's, it's hard because I think the standard gets set so high. If you're a preseason favorite, you know, yeah. everybody's looking for you to be. I mean, look at Watson and McCaffrey last year. They had really good years, both of them. But because the burden was so high, they'd been finalists the year before, it was like, well – yeah, but, you know, they're not that good. I mean, had they not had the years before, we might have really appreciated those seasons. But because they had such high expectations going in, it was like, well, yeah, but, you know, we, we fall in love with the flavor of the month. And last year was Lamar Jackson. Um, he had a great year. I, I certainly I think he was deserving of it. But he was the new name. Deshaun Watson was kind of the name like, well, yeah, we expect him to be great. Big deal. Yeah, and Clemson kind of slept lock with the attitude of we expect to be great until they got to the playoffs and then they were great. Until the end. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, and, that, and that's part of it too. And he, he still finished runner-up. But, um, you know, McCaffrey is a great example. Like, he had another great season, but we kind of forgot about him after the first couple of weeks because he got off to a slow start, so did Stanford. And I was like, you know, well, yeah, who cares? You know, yeah, he's good, but he's not as good as last year. Well, by the numbers, he was close to as good as the year before. They weren't as good around him, and we kind of lost track of him. Yeah. Well, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, you gotta gotta get attention, and and uh, it's it's all kind of hard to predict. But the Montez pick is certainly one that that is off the radar, and I like the boldness of it. I'm trying something different this year. I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to actually think about these things before I just say them out loud to you. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I like it. So we will be back. We're going to flip over to the NFL as the NFL preseason has started, so there's things for us to talk about. Um, We'll talk about the AFC, we'll talk about the NFC, we'll talk about awards and playoffs and all that good stuff, and we'll cap our football previews with the ASU schedule as we head into the end of August and the start of real games that matter. Until then, Greg Powell, please keep updating that spreadsheet, and please don't get too sad when you see you Darvish pitching well for the Dodgers. (laughs) He's Matt. (laughs) I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.